this week I heard the best joke. It's an animal joke. Y'all want to hear it? Yes. Okay. So platypus walks into a bar. <laughs> so Keep stupid. going. So Already stupid. better than anything else you've ever said, so that's good. <laughs> All right. So a platypus walks into a bar owned by a duck. He finishes his drink and he asks for his check. Duck-billed platypus. <laughs> that's a good one i like that that's one that's pretty good man it was yeah, cute I like that one. yeah yeah, yeah. Duck, i think it's really cute duck yeah. build platypus yep um i like it that's, that's okay. better than my other you know walked into a bar joke you know the blind guy walked into a bar Mm-mm. and a wall yeah. and a chair that might mm-hmm. be the best one in eight. Uh, what's his nine episodes now eight episodes yeah. mm-hmm. this is episode eight so eight, eight jokes. the best one yet that might Good have work. been the best one. Well, thank you. Thank yeah. you. Well, welcome to the Never Going Pro podcast by Dads Inside Riding Trainers featuring GC Coaching. It, it, do I, did I mess that up? We're Just doing all right. Going. We're keeping, okay, we'll keep it going. It's a podcast about riding bikes and parenthood and trying really, really hard, hard really hard at both. I'm your host, Ken the Badger Nowell, and with me is Shane Gaffney, owner of GC Coaching. Hello, everyone. And Chris Gorney, fellow Dirt teammate, passionate cyclist, and outstanding dad. Hello. How's everybody doing? Good. Ready for Thanksgiving tomorrow. Got a relatively short drive, only about 90 minutes. Problem is my entire family is has the first round of illnesses going through the house. Ooh. So hopefully oh, no they'll be better by tomorrow. But That's we'll pretty see. Bad. What about you guys? Hanging at the house, cooking turkey. Got my fam uh, my wife's family coming over. Nice. Are you uh deep frying it or traditionally like baking it? We got one of those giant turkey roasters. It sits on it's like a big crock pot. Okay. Um. So I borrowed that. So um. Yeah, it should be cool. That's um, awesome. Yeah. So anyway, welcome everybody. Can we actually? To- can we do some badger eats quick? What do you guys? Ooh, what do you guys do? Yes. Now I'm now I'm paying attention because I'm curious what the South eats on Thanksgiving. So we don't get to cook for Thanksgiving everything that I would like to cook because my can, um. Can we can we do this in two two segments? I'd like to know what you'd like to cook, and I'd like okay. to know what you actually are cooking. Well, <laughs> from my family, where I'm from, we like to take fresh vegetables and cook them into oblivion with fat and salt. <laughs> so uh, broccoli Ooh. smothered in cheese and oh, yeah. cream, and it's unrecognizable as a vegetable. <laughs> um and then what's the other thing we like? We like the green bean casserole, which you get those like – Dirty fried onions out of a can yeah. and you put them on the top. Yep, yep, yep. Those I like that. Me too. I, like- I feel like I feel like I need to be the dissenting voice and act like I'm indignant that you eat those, but I mean who doesn't like those? Everybody I, likes those. Man, I yeah. ran I ran it by my English expat uh in laws and they were just disgusted. You know, they're like, We're having none of that. Hmm. So hey, whatever, you know. So we'll have turkey. Wait, hold, hold on, hold on, your English expat in-laws yes is your wife british her mom is and her dad is and she's got an english passport i guess she was a dual citizen hmm. wow yeah they don't sounds celebrate like thanksgiving though right it sounds like a hallmark movie now like this british you know 
socialite marries some sort of like backwater monster <laughs> named the Badger. <laughs> Reforms him. Yeah. Well, hey, look, let me tell our audience about my podcast partners here. You guys are going on and on about shaving your legs. And when I started giving you some pushback, it ends up with me being called a stupid redneck. <laughs> hey, I, I don't think anyone called you a stupid redneck. I think the phrase yeah. was, I'm, I'm trying to not part. call you a stupid redneck. So it oh, wasn't exactly. Well, and I'm so not even saying it was me. So you were, you were trying to rise above your instinct then. Yeah, but I still wanted to let you know. Again, not saying it was me. could have been Shane. Definitely was not me, but okay. Nah, Shane's nice than you. That's Thank that's you, Ken. True. Yes. Um, so... There is, an interesting, there is an interesting comment in that dialogue <laughs> where, you know, there's like a soothsayer reading tea leaves within the within a cycling group of, you know, you come up on somebody, you've never ridden in a group before with them, and, you know, maybe you're just joining a group or, you're, or you just, you know, you're out on the road and you just kind of latch on to somebody and you see a bunch of people with shaved legs and you see a guy without shaved legs. Do you, A, be concerned because maybe they're new and you don't want to hold their wheel too tight, or B, Go, well, maybe it's the other way. And maybe because they don't shave their legs, they're actually the strongest person in the group. Mm. So, it's, I mean, you don't know. What a month is it? Fair point. I live in California, so months don't matter. It's maybe all the same true. weather every day. Yeah. So, if it's March or April here, then I wouldn't be too, um, not prejudice. I wouldn't be too. Um, no, prejudice is the right word. word. Is it the right <laughs> word I'm looking for? <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah. So in that case, then yeah. If it's if it's late spring, summer, I'm not following that wheel. I'm I'll, mm. I'll be that guy for sure, hundred percent. I think I think since we're talking about platforms, I think Zwift. Not that we're getting into it yet, but we can. What if Zwift had a special setting where you could have shaved or non-shaved legs on your avatar? I'd have shaved legs. I'd have shaved legs for the arrow effect. I would have one unshaved leg and one shaved leg. Mm. <laughs> so I, I'm sure our sports scientist, Shane Gaffney, knows, is there a real aerodynamic benefit of having shaved legs? Nope. Yeah, it's, it's negligible, but there is some, yes. Okay. But, I mean, let's call a spade a spade. I mean, people shave their legs because they're assimilating into the culture. That's really all they're doing it for. Okay. There's yep. always like, you know aerodynamic advantage and what else have i heard uh easier to take care of road rash if you yep. crash um which which hey there there's a true yeah to do but, that, but maybe not not as much as it's not like the only thing you can lean on no i mean i i definitely started shaving it because i looked up to people that had were faster than me and they shaved their legs so i was like hey i'm gonna do it too and I, now i just do it because i think it's you know, what you're supposed to do. So like I said, just kind of assimilating into the culture. Yeah. Do you and your wife uh, rub legs together? <clears throat> we do. Yeah. Yep. Hmm. I actually really enjoy it, but you know. Do, does one of you get angry at the other when they're stubble? I am a better leg shaver than she is, I think. Yeah. My wife listens to these podcasts, but um, I will say that there was a, season while we were dating where she was concerned that my legs were smoother than hers. <laughs> and I remember I remember we were on a walk and I remember where we were when we were talking about it and I was doing triathlons at the time and she was like, wait, you shave your legs? 
and it was this whole thing. And I was like, oh man, this might be, this, this might be a turning point in a relationship. I wasn't sure which way it was going to go. <laughs> yeah. I don't even think my wife knows I do a podcast. Well, she's too concerned with what the Royals are doing and. Yeah, the Royals. She's way into CrossFit, man. She's watching all that CrossFit stuff. Mm. But her shoulders look nicer than mine, so there's that. Um, Does she eat uh, paleo? We, you know, no, not anymore. I we, know you don't we eat tried paleo. But- yeah, you for sure. You for, I mean, you eat like a caveman, but not that way. <laughs> I'll eat like the caveman that walked into the grocery store and his eyes just popped wide open. I was going to say landfill, but yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, interestingly enough, like CrossFit has gone through its own nutrition phases. Like back when I started in 2009, 2010, everybody was into the zone diet and then it was the paleo diet. And then they sort of relaxed and got into the primal blueprint. And then later, if it fixed your macros, now everybody's just doing macros. I don't even know what they're doing anymore, but yeah. Anyway, I don't remember the zone diet phase. I only remember the uh, paleo primal. And yeah, just those two. I don't remember the zone phase. That's interesting. Well, so they're super good at at naming things, though. I mean, that's interesting. I think that the zone diet was the official diet that they well, they for sure taught it um, when I took my certification in 2010. And then again, in 2015, they were still talking about the zone, you know, huh? I don't remember that. That's interesting. Yeah, it is. Um, it's the first the first uh, gym I worked for. I did indoor cycling classes, and there was a half of a like a personal training gym, and the other half was a CrossFit box. Cool. So mm-hmm. probably like uh, oh, probably like oh nine, ten, eleven, somewhere in that range. Yeah. And I don't remember people. People are always you know kind of talking about paleo and what they were eating, but I don't remember the zone diet being one of those things. Yeah. But anyways. Yep. Sure was. I always had. There's a, a friend of mine whose name is Matt Taylor, who is getting his PhD in these kinds of things. And he was a huge CrossFit guy and really just super strong and um, really fun to do workouts with. And he, you know, I, I forget his actual degree, but it was, it was all about, it wasn't nutrition, but it was, it was more research-based, but it had to do with that. And he would always talk about macros and he kind of scoffed at all these diets because he just actually knew what he was talking about. Mm-hmm. And it was fascinating to sit down with him and um, you know, again, it goes back to our other podcast more about how you're eating all the time than just some of the time. And, right. you know, and so it's just fascinating, which it seems like we spend all this energy talking about different kinds of diets when in reality, it's more about the long term and your actual habits, not your fads. But anyway, different right. podcast. Yep. yep. Yeah. Well, speaking of this podcast, we got st- this, uh, podcast. this one. Um, let's talk about what we're going to be talking about today. First of all, there is a badass cyclist that we interviewed today, and his name is Jeremiah Bishop. And if you haven't heard of him, he is uh, a very well-decorated mountain biker who has been on the, the uh, United States mountain biking scene, even the international scene to some degree for decades. Um, he's still out there killing it. So uh, hang out until we're done talking and make sure you listen to that interview because he's a, a super cool guy. And then today we're going to be talking about uh, four big digital cycling tools, platforms, apps, whatever you want to call them. And that's going to be Training Peaks, Trainer Road, Strava, and Zwift. Sort of a compare and contrast, and maybe you can figure out what is right for you and your goals and uh, your preferences. So, um, I've, I have two things to say. One, 
how did you ask? Because I haven't listened to it yet. Did you ask Bishop if he shaves his legs? I don't think we got that deep into the into the weeds in our conversation. He probably does though. Okay, I, I bet understand. he does. Yeah, I'll, I'm just saying. I bet he does. You're, you talked about mountain biking, so there you go. Hairy monster in the woods. But mm-hmm. the other thing is, everyone should know that we for this podcast are using what could co- quite possibly be the world's best research matrix, the Excel sheet. Yes, that, that the Badger is very proud of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. This yeah, spreadsheet. Yeah, the show notes. We're gonna put this seriously. We're putting the spreadsheet in the show notes. So we're actually trying to figure out, well, how are we going to go about talking about these different things? And so I think what we're going to do is we're going to start by talking about one platform and then the other, and then we can sort of share anecdotally our experience with each one. And I think we need to start with the mother of all cycling apps, which is Strava. Sound good to you? Should we? It sounds great. Should we kind of disclaimer here and say like, we're not necessarily endorsing any specific one and pretty much everything you're about to hear is going to be solely opinion based. So please argue with us. That is, and um, we'd love to get feedback. We'd love to get comments. And if there's things we're missing for sure, let us know. Cause I'm sure all of our wives would love us to have more monthly subscriptions to cycling things for us to test out. So I think that's a fair, you know, a fair statement. Also, none of these mm-hmm. people pay us and we're going to try to be not yet. Not yet. Um, they're listening though. Well, let me, uh, Zwift, <clears throat> I do work for Zwift and Zwift does pay me. So I may, uh, be a little quieter during that conversation. Okay. Gotcha. <laughs> no, you, if they, and, they're going to stop paying you if you don't, uh, fess up. I'm not going to be quiet, but and you know, I actually I'm not guess I should say, I guess I should say I'm also, since we just moved to California, I'm currently borrowing a trainer from Zwift until my new trainer gets here. So. Well, and, and you know what? I love Zwift. As a matter of fact, I love all four platforms. And so we're going to dig in and uh, talk about Strava. So Strava, uh, when you go to their website, the tagline is the number one app for cyclists and runners. But I have another one that we can use titled, Why Buy the Cow When You Can Have the Milk for Free? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and the reason I say that is like there is a huge suite of uh, tools on Strava that you can get at no charge. So if you're just a very casual cyclist, then that might be a good place to start because it doesn't cost you anything. Um, I'm talking about yeah, yeah. You're, you're talking you're talking about Summit versus their their. Have you, or were you talking about their kind of pro version where you can pay extra for their Summit features, but you really don't necessarily need them, and you can it's just a free app. Right. So there is a free app that has a lot of features. So you'll be featured on their, you know, their King of the Mountains and all the segments. You can see those. You can see who rode with you if you were in a group ride. Um, And then there are the Summit features. And so those start at $2 per feature. And if you are $2.50 per feature, and it's like, it's a total of eight bucks if you get everything or $60 a year, eight bucks a month or 60 bucks a year. Did they did they change that? Is it is it piecemeal? I thought it was just it one is, cost. No, right? it's piecemeal. Okay, so they it, changed it. They changed it a couple of years ago. So okay, um, yeah, I'm, I'm I am up to date. Um, yeah. So the when they did it, I believe when they upgraded, if you were already paying for premium, they gave you everything in Summit for the same price. But right. if you were new to Summit, then you have to pay everything in piecemeal. I think that's how they did it. 
Hey, this is the point where I said I was going to mention the thing that I hadn't yet mentioned. My what? daughter just woke up, so the likelihood of her running in here and screaming is pretty high. So we're just going to let that happen. We're going to it's let about it happen. Yeah. being a parent, so just so, everyone be prepared. Sounds good. Um, so we sort of looked at a number of different things for each of these platforms. The price, training plans, fitness tracking, social mm -hmm. features, and then, of course, what's hot and what's not. So as far as training plans go, Strava... I'm going to say is is pretty weak. They have some training plans, but I haven't seen any changes there in years and it doesn't support erg mode or smart trainers, anything right. like that. Um, right. They really excel with their social social features. They've kind of gone all in on their social features over the years where they have uh, tools for organizing group rides um, and also uh, blogs for cyclists and they also have a uh, um like a cycling club tools so you can yeah yeah you can it's like a form sort of uh, mm -hmm. for your cycling club well it's it's become a verb like that's that's why you know it's there it's like oh did you strava that like i hear people say that all the time in cycling groups oh make sure you strava that and so you're like okay it's reached verb status so therefore it's you know it's major oh it's a um, huge app yeah yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, I, I mean, I, 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 I was a little sore about when they pulled off the relive thing last year. Or was it earlier this mm. year when they killed that? It was earlier this year. It was this year. Earlier yeah. this year. Because we use that all the time. Like, you know, you'd be able to kind of track who's where. But then they've got that new service. Um, my only beef with Strava, so I, I, you know, I, I love Strava, per, pure opinion here. Like, we, I use it all the time. I'm not a social media guy, but I was just not something I used to do. But, I, I love Strava. My, my wife uses it too. And um, they've got a lot more info online, like to get on their website. There's mm. a lot of kind of like, but it, but it's kind of difficult to find. That's my only thing is it's, you know, your, your first, if you're using the app, it's great. There's actually a lot more data and kind of, you can kind of see even where you ran into other people who you don't even know. There's all mm. these extra things you can right, do, but right. you don't really ever think to go to the website. Um, I mean, it's like what you do when you're at work and you're like, oh man, I need to like change my brain for 10 minutes. You can go to Strava or something, but, and I've never figured out why some efforts are hidden. Some segments, have, have you guys ever seen that on the website? I've, There's a little tab that says show hidden segments. And I'm like, yeah, what to find the hidden segment? I think I know why, because what you can, what this is, I'm guessing here, you can star segments that you want to show up, be prioritized in your feed. And perhaps it is an algorithm that's hiding the segments that nobody is starring. That's my, that's my assumption. Okay. I'll buy that. I think it's actually your, so you can create segments and then you can hide them on yourself or like not, you can hide them yourself, but the person that created the segment can hide the segment. Hmm. They also hide them if they're marked, if they're flagged as dangerous too. Yeah. Yeah. So. Oh, that's interesting. I've never even thought about that. They do. They, so like they ended a stop sign or like, you know, they uh, ended a 90 degree corner or whatever. An athlete can flag it as dangerous and then Strava will automatically hide that and also remove the leaderboard as well. There was you know, you, a. You there was a lawsuit a number of years ago where somebody was killed doing a downhill segment. Like, you know, it was a mountain that ran through the middle of San Francisco or something crazy like that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. 
And people are, I mean, people do Strava. That's one of the big strengths in my, in my opinion for Strava is the KOM because it gives you that competition feature, which we really didn't have before, you know, Zwift, which we'll get to later. But like, if you only did a race once a week, maybe twice a month, then the other times the, the season, you really didn't have anything to really push you to motivate you to dig deep besides the group ride. So segments are really good for being able to kind of harness that inner adrenaline, that inner kind of beast that you only get when you're racing something or you're kind of chasing that carrot. That's a great training tool oh. as long as obviously it's safe. Yeah. yeah. It's a good way to push your, it's a good way to push yourself every, like, so I, you know, I ride again because of where I live. I, I can pretty much ride out every day. And so I split my time between on the trainer oh. and outside. And it's easy to stay motivated on the trainer because there's training plans and races. But outside, when you're in group ride, you're not necessarily control the pace. So Strava right. actually helps a lot because everybody's aware of kind of certain ride segments. And so the pace typically picks up. So it, you you can really use the Strava segments to create some um, non or to create some healthy competition in a group ride every yep. morning rather than just, you know, trying to be a jerk. And race that guy to the flagpole or whatever. No, and I mean, I think that that was the that was really the game changer. I think, as far as I'm concerned, that was their unique selling proposition. Is they sort of gamified cycling, um, but also yep. they have outside. right outside cycling. Also, one of their strengths is we or one of the aspects we were going to talk about on all four of these fa- uh, platforms is fitness tracking. And so what they track is mileage and hours. Um, it has a four week summary that'll show you what your average ride, you know, um, ride volume has been over the last four weeks. Um, there's a training calendar view and a training log view and uh, a my activities view. It'll also match your rides with other participants. And premium members can use their fitness and freshness tracker to see their chronic training load, their CTL. Uh, but it does mm-hmm. not, uh, I put that it does not display training stress score. I think that's correct. Right. Maybe you could correct me if I'm wrong there. No, they have a proprietary um, measurements. They call it, I think it's training impact, okay. they, I believe it's called. No, sorry. It's called training load. Mm. So training load is a TSS. Okay, so they do kind of have this have the same thing. and it's and it's a feature yeah. summit, so you have to pay for it. Yep. Yep. Um I, yeah, TSS, CTL, ATL, all that stuff is proprietary to Training Peaks. Okay. So if a software wants to use it, they have to pay Training Peaks for the license to use it. Got it. Got it. Um, That's why you see other stuff. Um as far as being a training interface, Strava really is not a training interface. Um, it only tracks of rides that you have done virtually or in real life. And it is compatible. It syncs with Zwift and Trainer Road, but not Training Peaks. So I think Training Peaks and Strava are more or less competitors, or they have enough yep. crossover to where they have decided not to play too nicely with each other. Right. Exactly. Strava is kind of, you know, as far as how people use it, it's kind of the end of the line, like regardless of what other platform you use, Garmin. Zwift, whatever you train a road, you, you end up seeing it on Strava also. It's kind of the bottom of the bucket where yes. things land. Yes, that is true. Um, as far as what's hot and what's not, Strava is all about the segments and the KOMs. And what I put is what is not is that they've been focused so much on social media that they really haven't um, catered much to the competitive cyclist in recent years. 
I think they've kind of stagnated uh, and missed an opportunity to really roll out more training features for um, cycling geeks like me, you know. And they also cut off Relive, which, you know, pissed a bunch of people off. But, you know, hey. So Relive, for people who don't know, it was kind of like a, a flyover. You, you know, you it was linked with Strava. And, uh, you know, after you would ride your ride, you'd get an email a little bit. The strange amount of time is always like 15, 20 minutes. Like you're wondering like what computer was processing what where. But you'd get this, you'd get this email, and then it would essentially be a flyover based on Google Maps of your ride, and then it would kind of show you your peak heart rate and the highest elevation, maybe your fastest speed. Um, if you took any photos, it, they would automatically like pop up and pause. So it was kind of like a one minute review of your ride, which was which was pretty cool, and you could kind of see your friends and how they all related. But yeah, it's gone. Yeah. Well, let's talk about training peaks. You know what? I think Shane probably has the most insight because as a cycling coach, he uses uh, training peaks quite a bit. So Shane, you want to tell us a little bit about it? Yeah. Training peaks is my app. I spend the most time in, I think professionally working with my athletes. Um, and it's also how I create their workouts, training plans, get a bird's eye view of the season progression and regression, FTP tracking. I mean, that's kind of my go-to app for everything I do from my nine to five job. Um, it is not Strava where it has a social media component to it. It's very one-on-one -on -one coach athlete relationship. Um, there is communication between it, but like I said, it's just with athlete to coach. Um, it does have a great calendar, but trainer road has a calendar too, which we'll get to later. And I think the most powerful thing that it does for athletes and coaches like is just the amount of proprietary data and information that you get. Um, like we've already talked about TSS, CTL, TSB, ATL, intensity factor, variability index, efficiency factor, all, all those things you hear about and all those kind of word soup acronyms you see constantly, those all come from training peaks essentially. And other people use them, typically pay them licenses to use them. Okay. Um, so what kind of, yeah, so that's what, my kind of what kind of person do I need to be? Or what if, if my goals are blank, would, would Trainer Peaks really help me? Like what, what's a situation where it would be the ideal platform? The ideal platform, I think, just in my personal opinion, it's for everybody that wants to get a little bit more nerdy with their training or geek out a little bit on the data. But it also just gives you, I think, better insight into what you're doing now, what you've done in the past, and what you need to do in the future to go from point A to point B. So it's just another way to make your training more objective and a little bit more science-based and data-based as opposed to training off of feel or, you know, training off of miles and, you know, elevation and time, training off of TSS, which is a much more objective way to train. You know, making those small changes can result in a pretty big change in fitness. What I put is that their fitness tracking is their core competency. And that's really what they built their entire platform around. It's definitely not a social media platform. Um, and then what I put as far as compatibility is it does sync with Trainer Road and Zwift, but not directly with Strava. So say, for instance, if you did an outdoor ride and you were using your Garmin that could upload to training peaks and Strava separately. 
but they're not going right. to cross over. Yep. Um, so like when I do an outdoor ride, I use a Lazine bike computer and it uploads directly to training peaks. Mm-hmm. Um, I put what is hot. And I think, go ahead. Nothing to you, but I think the, the automatic push of workouts to Zwift, I think is their best feature they have developed in the past, probably two years. I think that's revolutionized people using training peaks and gotten them a much bigger chunk of the market. Um, and that's really my, my basis of like my training plans that I, I, my, not my training plans, but my pre-made plans. I make sure that everybody knows that that's an option and how to use Zwift because it just makes your life much easier because you just have to log into Zwift and your workout's waiting there for you. So I think that's a huge, huge feature they have that nobody else does. And this is why I recently started paying for the the premium training peaks. There is a free version of training peaks, which is pretty good. But if you want the the analytics and if you want your dashboard to be able to show a million different graphs um, that are personalized to, to you, I mean, that's, that's where it's at. Um, as far as what's hot i said they have an annual training program or a plan where you can lay out your whole year with your a b and c races whatever um and as far as what is not i said i was hoping for one shop uh one stop shopping to replace trainer roads plans and strava summit um but unfortunately or fortunately they do sell their plans separately for anywhere from five bucks to i think 800 bucks they're crate you know there's some really expensive plans on there but it makes sense if you're, I mean, if your goal is like what Shane said is like, you're a, you know, way past dedicated amateur like us and you're trying to, you know, this is your thing, like $800 for a training plan a year is actually, I mean, if you compare that to the amount of money people pay for, you know, like a personal trainer and things like that, it's not crazy. Oh, that's true. That is true. Right. Yep. Um, yeah. So- I've always liked to compare like companies to like the cell phone market, like Apple versus Android. So I feel like training peaks is more, to, to at least the, the training plan market is more of an Android approach mm-hmm. where it's open source. Anybody can yeah. create stuff and put it on there. Whereas Zwift's trainer roads is more of an Apple where you're getting kind of a, you know, you're getting a product that will work within their ecosystem, but you really can't, there's not a lot of choice and not a lot of variety. I see. I think that's a good analogy. Well, I- I will say in Trainer Road, I mean, at first glance, Trainer Road has a million workouts and their plans are not, their plans aren't necessarily super diverse, but the plan perspective. Yeah. 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 Um, Trainer Road has, I mean, I don't even know how many workouts they have. So there's, there's, there is, I think it's 2000. 2000. Wow. I think so. Yeah. 2000 and change. That's a a ton. Um, Well, and I think, you know, I've always kind of compared Trainer Peaks and Trainer Road. Trainer Road is definitely easier to just like jump in and start using. Um, Yep. But I will say that um, there, for me, there's there's kind of the with Trainer Road, it's a little more difficult to. I think I was we were talking about this the other day, or I was texting Shane, maybe probably on the bike, because um, Shane and I apparently sometimes randomly run into each other on on Zwift, which is funny. But uh, there's kind of a confu- It's difficult to like be dedicated to a training plan on Trainer Road and to ride outside because mm-hmm. it presumes it, it presumes. Trainer would presume you're just on it, nothing and nothing else. So it packs your mm-hmm. week up. So you know if you're doing seven hours of training, it's like seven hours of training. So it, it's not it's it doesn't have that same annual approach as Training Peaks does. Um, 
and th- so it, it's it's kind of difficult to you know stick to a plan on trainer road unless you live in the arctic and you're never outside well so I'm i guess gonna, the- i'm gonna dissent a little here um dissent. i'm gonna dissent a little bit uh so i put that their core competency is their training plans um we talked about the the different workouts, 2000 of them. Um, but they have a plan. They do. They have a, a low, medium and high volume plan to fit your time constraints. So for instance, a low volume plan is only going to put you on the trainer three days a week and for a total of, uh, three hours and 30 minutes. And that's going to give you ample time to ride outside. So, you know, if that is one of your things where you're going to do the three hour group ride every Saturday, but you want to make sure you're focusing on some specific weaknesses and getting that progression in, you can do that with trainer road. Well, sure. But since it's based on TSS, which, which I enjoy on trainer road, you know, they're trying to figure out how much you can handle a week based on your availability. Mm. You know, if you're going to ride outside on a Wednesday, but you've got, you know, they're, they're, they're planning their each week based on, well, you're going to spend this much effort on Monday, this much on Wednesday, this much on Friday. And they, and they even map it out in a calendar where you're supposed to have like kind of rest days. So if you fill some of those rest days with riding outside, unless you're just like light cruising that can actually affect, and maybe I'm wrong, Shane, you tell me like to me, it actually kind of affect your training day on Friday if you're supposed to be fresh. Yeah, you're not wrong sense? at all. Yep. And we're, we're really jumping around now, but that's where the flexible, you know, people always joke it's not really flexible, but that's where the flexible plans came from on Zwift was when, when, I, you know, when I designed the Build Me Up plan, I was asked, you know, what days of the week do you want these to be available on? And how much time in between workouts does each one need? So that way, like I can say, all right, you know, Red Unicorn is available Friday, Saturday, and Sunday because people usually have more time over the weekends, but the athlete needs 24 hours of recovery after the workout is complete. So they're not going to sacrifice anything for the next workout. So you you couldn't do like a, a double session that day, for instance. Hmm. But that's always been an issue with self-coached athletes is they have a plan to go with, but like how, how compliant and how consistent are they going to keep themselves to the plan when, you know, like tomorrow morning there's a, a two-hour dirt group ride on Swift going on. You know, like I want to do that ride even though it might have 120 TSS or whatever and I might be dead for my ride on Friday. So right. that's always been the issue with self-coached athletes. Well, I think to the broader point is that we all ride bikes because it's fun and yep, we yep. also I, I think that um I, I read this in the cycling cyclist training bible either you believe riding faster is more fun or you don't so we want to train to get faster so we can have more fun but at the same time we don't want to be toiling a, away on a trainer by ourselves when we could be you know roasting the streets or the trails with our friends sure yep um but sort of yeah, and I think Training Peaks, I want to go back to Training but Training Peaks was designed for coaches really to use. And then some athletes that we you know, want to learn more about the acronyms and the data, they use Training Peaks with good results. But I don't think Training Peaks is appropriate for most people unless you really know like what you're what you're looking at in terms of the data. Mm, okay. And how to read the acronyms, how to read the charts, you know, because there's a lot of stuff you can potentially miss and you're kind of paying for something that you're not really you know, getting a hundred percent use out of. Right. 
Well, you know, Shane, Shane the Badger is not most people. He is. <laughs> I love data. I, I'm a data geek. I love it. Um, and so uh, I'm willing to pay for the Training Peaks um, uh, plan. And by the way, um, Training Peaks is 20 bucks a month unless you get the year-long subscription, which is $100, bucks, 99 $20. Um, and, you know, if you are a data nerd like me, even if you might not be able to in interpret the data very well, um, it, it's, it could be interesting to you. Um, so we sort of been jumping around between training peaks and trainer road. I did want to point out talk that a, talk about trainer road, talk about the core competency of trainer road and their tagline is best value in cycling training. And I think that's actually a pretty good tagline. The core competency is that all training plans are included in your subscription. You have thousands of workouts to choose from. And they will take you through a logical progression from base to build to specialty. And they have low, medium, and high volume plans to fit your time constraints. Uh, since all the plans are created in-house, they are very coherent. And there's also a workout creation tool, but that you have to download that separately. Um, their calendar is awesome. It's very similar to Training Peaks calendar. And it makes it really intuitive to move uh, workouts around and reschedule and copy things. Um, not much in the way of social features. They do have forums and uh, a team management. Oh, they do. They do. They do have forums and a team and a team management tool. But I think one of their biggest things is they really have a great podcast. It's probably cycling's most popular podcast. So, you know, I think that that's a really sweet feature of Trainer Road. And that costs nothing. Second, second most popular podcast. Second most popular podcast. Um, those guys are pretty good. <laughs> They're pretty good. They're okay. <laughs> that guy and Nate's kind of a dingus, but whatever. <laughs> hey, we just, uh, our podcast just hit 10,000 listeners. 10,000 listeners. Is disturbing for disturbing the fact there's that many of you listening to us out there but uh pretty cool for us mm -hmm. that's pretty yep. cool i dig yep. it yep so uh hey, so my i was gonna say my two cents here is and honestly i'm like thinking about my budget and realizing that i pay for three of the four of the things we're talking about today <laughs> so i'm gonna re realize that i pay for everything but training peaks and it sounds like ken pays for all of them no just training um, peaks and zwift i'm done with trainer road for right now and I'll tell you why in a minute. Okay. Well, that's under the what's. No, no, I want to know. That's under the what's hot and what's not section. Um, well, but go since ahead. Since this is all basically subjectively based, other than our little fancy Excel sheet here, um, I, and maybe it's kind of like a back, you know, it's not something everybody always does, but I like Trainer Road because you can actually, based on RPE, relative perceived effort, you can estimate TSS through their calendar afterwards. So I spend about 50% of the time on the trainer, 50% of the time on the road. You know, at the end of each week, I can actually get online and it's all my rides sync onto trainer road. And so I can like go, oh man, on Thursday, we just hammered that 40 miles and I was spent. And you know, and we had all these sprints and there was long poles at the front of the wind. And I'm like, all right, man, I was, I was like an eight out of 10, like maybe not a race, but like I'm pretty tired. So I can actually estimate that. And then it takes your, it takes the time and the distance, elevation, heart rate, and then your RPE and it actually estimates TSS, which is, you know, it's not necessarily perfect. It's not necessarily scientific, but it is, you know, it's getting closer than just not having it at right. all. So I actually can kind of map out my efforts um, 
you have to do it manually for sure. Mm-hmm. But it, and they, they call it estimated stress is what they call it, but it's my favorite thing. And so it's kind of like the, the hub I use. So clearly I use trainer road. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and you know, but what's, what is ironic is typically Saturday Sundays is when I ride on trainer road and I'm most tired on Mondays because those things just kick my, their workouts, some of their workouts are just super tough. Um, yeah. Quality work. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a lot of work. Yep. But just so so the yeah, audience I, knows that Strava and Training Peaks will also estimate your uh, TSS or whatever their version of it is um, based on your heart rate. So just putting that out there. And then you don't have to manually enter it in. Boom. It's like our, yeah. it's like our water yep. boy Gatorade H2O <laughs> argument. Trainer Peaks. No, Trainer Road. No, Trainer Peaks. <laughs> And then someday someone's going to buy both of well, them. Well, they've, it will be they've the all thing. gotten money from me, so glad to support all these platforms. Any other input into Trainer yeah, Road from you guys before we move on? I think Trainer Road's done the best recently for improving their overall, just like user interface and you know, kind of getting features to the masses relatively quickly. Um, obviously, they've had a couple pretty substantial price increases too, but we've definitely seen improvement in the overall quality with those price increases mm-hmm. as well. It, um, it's super boring. Go ahead. Super boring. Well, so yeah, but like they say all the time on the podcast, like they're not, they're not a game company. They're not like an entertainment company. They're a training company. Right. So they, they go in with the preconceived notion that whoever uses their platform will have like a cyclocross race to watch or, you know, a banging sound system or, you know, Zwift or whatever. So they'll have something else to kind of distract you from the intervals. And that's what um, I do. I think that's what a lot of people do is, you know, you, you can ride, you can run Zwift simultaneously, which is just like enough of a hit in the head to forget what you're doing a little bit. And yeah. so that's what I do. I mean, I, I ride, I, I run Zwift and trainer road simultaneously. It works really well. Um, you know, if, if you're uploading it to Strava, you, in the end, you have to delete one of them <laughs> or you'll be double right. posting. So I, I just right. go in and delete my Zwift post because the trainer road uploads more data to the free version of Strava, um, than Zwift does, but, um, it works. I mean, it's a little clunky. Well, right. And I put yeah. is, you know, are what's hot and what's not on that platform is what's hot is that it is training simplified. If all you care about is getting a good plan at a good, good price without uh, gimmickry and you're self-motivated, it really is the best value. Um, and what's not is the biggest complaint about Trainer Road is it's boring. Extreme su- uh, uh, suffering extreme discomfort while watching blue blocks on the screen. Uh, it takes a certain type of dedication <laughs> to stick with it. Unless you've got techno, yeah. then it's easy. That's true. I mean, but that's, yeah. that's the deal and that's bolded there. Like, I think most cyclists in general are going to have some degree of self-motivation. I think that just kind of comes with the territory. You, you like the pain. You like the suffering. Um, you're the kind of person who, you know, when it's windy, you're not dissuaded from going out and riding into the wind. Kind of got some grit. So I, I, I think that... If if you don't have, I mean, if if you're if you're struggling to get on Zwift, then Trader Road is probably not for you, right? Um, well, I. But if if you're get, but but if you're okay, like you know, being in your pain cave alone for an hour, and some of their workouts on Trainer Road are like four hours long. I don't know how anyone can do that, but they, uh, it, it definitely takes a degree of self motivation and dedication and commitment to 
do trainer road it does so um there you have it with trainer road now we have saved zwift for last and their tagline is serious training made fun and this has been a big game changer as much as i tried to be agnostic about these four i'm gonna just let it rip zwift is my do it zwift is my favorite um its core competency is that it's a game um it does make riding an indoor trainer fun and uh there are let's see i calculated here there's 1625 workouts in their library and nine cycling specific plans um as shane was mentioning they do have the flex training plans and he was instrumental in rolling those out because he does do some work for zwift uh you have a ability to reschedule workouts and I found it's not quite as flexible as moving stuff around on the training peaks and trainer road calendar, but there is, it's better than it used to be for sure. Um, yep, that's true. Yep. And, uh, they've also there, you can build your own rides, uh, or your own workouts in a variety of different other, you know, apps and upload it as a ZWO file. So like, I think that they've been really cool, um, with allowing their, uh, their file, uh, allowing you to create stuff outside of their um, network. Yeah, and they have, I mean, what's on Zwift.com and um, what's the other one that you mentioned the other day? I can't they, remember. Weird they name. just changed their name to Trainer Day. <laughs> okay, Trainer yeah. Day. So that's, they have a couple of other websites with like, you know, whatever, 5,000 workouts on that on Trainer, Trainer, Day, Trainer yeah. Day website mm -hmm. you were saying. Yep. Crazy, yeah. So, like, you know, there's so many workouts you can really choose yeah. from. We can um, say that the Zwift is the only training platform that I know of that bases their training effort on how many pieces of pizza you burned. That's right. Yes. So there. Which, I mean, that's a that's a metric I care about. That's true. Uh, so we're in is in terms of fitness tracking is very basic. It tracks your weekly mileage your hours and the equivalent slices of pizza that you burned. How, however, yep. they also however. sync to uh, Zwift power, which is very robust in the amount of data that it collects, but only for organized uh, races and rides. It's like a B side mm -hmm. thing, Zwift. And then the B side mm -hmm. is Zwift power. Yep. <laughs> now, Shane, is there a relationship hey. there? I mean, what's the relationship between Zwift? Zwift Power yeah. and Zwift? No. They've tried. I mean, there's obviously some communication and they have access to the API. Um, but I don't think there's any real like partnership going on between the two of them or like the want for partnership because, you know, I figure Zwift, the, the, during an update probably six months ago, they released the, the leaderboard segments after the races. Mm -hmm. Remember when yeah. they did that on the Zwift yep. Companion app? And, um, same thing with Zwift Power. So instead of having a link to Zwift Power, they just made their own Got thing. It. So Zwift, I think, is going to be they're they're into creating stuff bespoke to them and their program, not partnering and like getting stuff created and just buying it. Right. So people always say like, "Oh, why doesn't you know Zwift just buy Trainer Road?" Because I don't think they want to be trainer road. They want to be Zwift. They want to have their own flavor, their own, you know, like I said, bespoke things built for them. Um, and, you know, they have the biggest, they have the biggest budget and they also have the biggest in terms of reach. So we've already mm -hmm. seen them work with the UCI. 
Do you know how many um, people are on Zwift, Shane? Like, and what's what's their rider count? I don't know. I, it was over a million. It was like one point. I think it was one point five million registered users. Um, but again, like, who knows? Uh, one time, sure. I think the most I've ever seen is like twelve thousand riders on at one time, which is crazy. Um, which is a lot of people. Yeah. yeah. So they have. They're the youngest in the game. They have the most potential in. You know, kind of speaking from the inside, from internally, there's a lot of good stuff that will come next mm-hmm. year from training plans right through to e-races through to, you know, new roads, courses, things like that. Um, they had that massive, you know, $120 million investment and they've done a huge round of hires and now they're starting to crank out more stuff with the new hiring that they've done. So we should see a lot more, a lot faster growth next year. And hopefully hear less of that, you know, coming soon, which has been kind of a tagline for them, which is coming soon. We should start to see much less of that coming up next year. Well, I, I just celebrated my two-year anniversary on Zwift, and I've seen a lot of changes. You know, I've seen them roll out a lot of routes. I've seen them okay. roll out a lot of uh, fun um, tours and things that you can uh, engage in, new bikes and gear that you can get in game i put that their core competency is it is a it's a training interface with um the supports erg mode and by gamifying the experience it's made indoor cycling more um (laughs) it went from making indoor cycling a fate worse than death to actually fun yeah well it's it's it changes it like um i wanted to make funny jokes. So I pulled up the Zwift companion app and Adam Yates is Zwifting right oh, now, which is cool. Cool. You can look, you can, you know, I can follow Adam, watch him, we'll watch his avatar ride, which is something, I guess. But, uh, I was going to say the Badger has, uh, ridden 8,500 miles on Zwift in two years. Yes, sir. I think go Badger. Nice and job, that's, man. Yeah. Level, thir- level you're, you're, little, you're a level 37 dungeon master. I am. And that's 8,700 miles that I would not have ridden at all. It's not like, I would have ridden those miles outside if I didn't have Zwift. No, those miles just would not have been ridden. Um, because the which, yeah. which now that I'm now that I'm looking is trash compared to how many miles Shane has ridden, which is more than twelve thousand miles. Um, he's a level forty three. Damn, master. how long you been yep. on there? Uh, I was in beta. Mm. So how long oh, is that? Yeah, three and a half years, four years, but. My elevation, I, the first thing, well, not the first thing, but the second thing I did was go for the Tron bike. So I have like crazy amounts of elevation too. So I would have more miles of pilot uh, elevation. I see. I am, I'm, a level, I wrote, I'm a level 24 dungeon master. So I'm behind both of you all. Well, you know, if you got that California weather, I mean, I think, Ooh, I think all of but, us agree that it, most of us still prefer to ride outside. There are, you know, those true indoor specialists, yeah. but. I'm riding outside every we, chance we know, I get. We know who we're, and we know who we're thinking about when we yes, say that. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Um, hey, but uh, I will say, this is an update for everyone who's been in suspense. Three episodes ago, I made the comment that I screwed up my signing up for the Everest challenge to get the Tron bike because I'm aloof. Turns out I didn't. Turns out I did sign up a long time ago and had just never looked again. So I'm actually pretty close. Cool. That is awesome. Yeah. So there you go, right? It's It's, you know some sort of achievement um very cool so let when you say close are you at the top are you past the mountain already i think i'm 
I've got like, I don't know, 130,000, 140,000 feet okay, yeah. climbed. That's one of my challenge. favorite Easter eggs still on that platform. There's what? That's one of my favorite Easter eggs on that platform still is people think they just have to climb uh, Everest and they get yeah, the Tron Blake, but it's like 10 times. What I've started doing once I realized I was back on it, um, this is what Ken Ken and I were talking about. Once I realized, oh, I did actually sign it. Because when, when I thought I hadn't signed up for it, I was like, well, screw this. I'm not, I'm not putting much effort into it. Um, but once I realized I was already at like 120,000 feet climbing towards like the 160 or whatever you need, I just, every time I get on to do a trainer road, I just pick the steepest, longest climb on Zwift every time and just then just run trainer road. <laughs> and yeah. so yep. I get, a, I get uh, all the elevation climb with during a, during a workout. So it's a bit cheating, but it's definitely working. Hey, yeah. it's, I mean, you, you put in, you put in the time. That's true. I'm still, still kicking my, kicking my rear, almost passing out on the bike yep. occasionally. But, so, yeah. and wrapping this up, um, where we, uh, I just wanted to say, this is what my picks for what's hot and what's not on Zwift is what is hot is the game is very engaging. And what is not is Zwift has a long way to go until it's a plug and play, uh, platform with the you know uh, some people have that uh, that appeal of Peloton. You buy a bike, you pay a subscription, and it just works. Um, getting set up with Zwift and syncing your devices to a computer can be pricey and frustrating. Um, and they've largely been focused on the the in game features and esports. And for me, I would love to see them start to put some more of those resources into training tools. Uh, but Hey, I get it. It's a big company, a lot going on. This isn't an indictment of, you know, uh, what they're doing. Um, it's just an observation. It's a little bit more complicated than getting on a Peloton bike, which we didn't include in our mm-hmm. four. That could have been a fifth. Yep. That's true. We also didn't talk about the Surfer Fest mm-hmm. either. And that's, I think, a really good one for training purposes because they're the only, I'll make this really quick, they're the only software that separates your anaerobic from your aerobic power when they do that full frontal test. So intervals that are over threshold, they'll be different based on how you tested during the full frontal test, which is huge. That's where I wish, I hope the Zwift will go some well, point. Can't too. you just tell them to go that once way? Once you get over, I can, yeah, but the problem is I'm not, a, I can't program it. I can write the workouts, but I can't program the, actual mm. uh, game itself i'm not that smart gotcha so it's my thing so closing- once you go over a threshold you don't you uh, using percentage of ftp over a threshold gets really murky because people have different sizes anaerobic engines and things like that um so sufferfest does that very well well they'll they'll individualize your training more based on how you okay, tested cool. i have not tried sufferfest but that's definitely on my list of things i'd like to check out well, well, guys, awesome. I think we've done a good cool. podcast talking about these different platforms. And uh, any anything else you want to add before we we wrap up and head over to Jeremiah Bishop? I w- I want to say uh, do the platform that keeps you engaged, keeps you riding, with the one that's most fun and keeps you staying fit. That's the right one. Yep, hundred percent. Well, thank you both for joining us again. Check out the interview with Jeremiah Bishop and happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Although this will probably post after the holiday. Um, Ride on and we will see you in Watopia. Peace. Post after the holiday. Um, Ride on and we will see you in Watopia. Peace.
This week we have a very special guest that I'm extremely excited about. Jeremiah Bishop is one of America's most decorated and well-known mountain bikers. He is a legend. If you poke around on his Wikipedia page, you will see that he has won all of the major U.S.-based mountain bike stage races, including the American Mountain Bike Classic, Breck Epic, Pisgah Mountain Bike Stage Race, and the Transylvania Epic. He is also the host of the Alpine Loop Grand Fondo in the mountains of Virginia, Shenandoah Valley, and a brand ambassador for Canyon. At the age of 43, Jeremiah is still mixing it up as a pro mountain biker and gravel racer and won several races this year, including the Hillbilly Roubaix, which I love that video, by the way. And he's also, <laughs> he's also a dad, and like many other parents out there, he's balancing work, family, and his passion for bikes. So, Jeremiah, I first heard about you when my buddy Zach Terry was training for the Alpine. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you remember him. He was I doing sure yeah, social media for performance bikes. Yeah, well, th thanks for that uh, glowing introduction. I don't even feel, uh, I'm kind of blushing a little bit. <laughs> well, hey, you earned it. You did all those things, yeah. which is really cool. Um, and then later on, I met you at the World Championships. We were kind of standing at the, in Churchill somewhere. Yeah, uh, yeah, in Richmond. That was super fun. Yeah, it was awesome, man. And you were just yeah. chilling roadside. I'm like, dude, this is crazy. You know, um, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just a guy who likes to ride bikes. I just, I just happen to find a way to get paid to do it. Yeah, well, that's cool. You've been at it a long time. So when did you, uh, how did this go down? I mean, the mountain bikes oh, weren't even really even a thing until the mid 90s. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I, I started, um, uh, mountain biking has been a thing for a long time. I think it's, it's gotten to be a bigger participant sport for sure than when I started, but, um, yeah, I mean, when I started, it was during the heyday of American mountain biking. You know, you got had uh, Ned Overend, John Tomac, Tinker Juarez. You know, really the first generation of pop culture mountain biking. You know, there were definitely pioneers prior to that that um, were racing at a very competitive level, um, and you know, those first sort of mentors or not mentors, but um, heroes of mine you know, really set the stage for my career and some of the ways in which I pursued my career and how I would, um, yeah, kind of approach, you know, my goals and, and kind of things that I look to do and, and aspire to do. And I think it's really fun to have, um, yeah, some kind of neat examples like that, but also some kind of cool stories. Like I'm only the only teammate of Tinker Juarez to ever stay at his house. No kidding. I know that sounds... I don't know if that sounds strange to you, but I have people come visit me to ride like every month. Like, okay. you know, they come hang out, you know, we go out, I show them around to a good brewery or something. We, we go ride bikes or I'll, you know, stay extra after somebody's, uh, or stay after an event at somebody's house and go ride bikes. At least until I had kids, it was kind of like, you know, a nationwide surf couch surf surfing competition, <laughs> you know, where I'd be like looking for cool places to ride between races in any case, so to be the only person, only teammate of Tinker's to ever stay at his house is kind of like, wow, that's kind of strange. Um, but, you know, it, it's pretty cool to um, not only meet some of my heroes um, out there, but, um, yeah, to kind of pioneer and, and sort of be a leader in some respects in the mountain bike community. And um, I made most of my career racing cross-country mountain bike racing, but I always okay. love 
ultra endurance racing. Um, I love road racing, uh, cyclocross. I've done a little bit of everything. And so, um, back to what I was saying, John Tomac was an early influence. Um, you know, he doesn't know it, doesn't know me, but you know, I always had those posters of, of Johnny T on my wall in the bike room. And, uh, he was a really complete rider, you know, went and raced for seven 11 on the road, high okay. level road racer, criterion racer, you know, wins downhill races, wins world cup cross country races. Um, yeah, do everything, you know, and I thought that would be awesome to be a well-rounded rider. Um, and I can check that, you know, checkbox sort of on my bucket list of things I, I look to do and definitely did some really neat things like, um, you know, winning the mid Atlantic cup for cyclocross I've raced in the, you know, national cyclocross championships. I won a UCI race in Hendersonville once, um, you know, this, the stage race thing that kind of became a later specialty. Um, but interestingly, anytime you have this really well-rounded toolbox mm-hmm. as a bike racer, it, it could apply to other races. Um, and a stage race is the ultimate combination of all those. So you need speed because sometimes you just want to sit in and mark your opponents. Um, sometimes they're big dirt road sections where you save energy. Sometimes, um, yeah, you need top end to be able to deliver for a prologue stage or a really explosive short stage. Um, and you need endurance for the long stages. So that's kind of been a real neat playground for me in the latter half of my career. So I did mm-hmm. some stage races. Uh, much to the chagrin of my team manager, they were focused on cross country races and they would always ask why I'm like, you know, wasting time doing these dumb races. And now who's laughing? You know, it's a big <laughs> thing now. These, uh, you know, races like Breck Epic, that's a lot of people's um, career highlight or their season goal. Uh, Pisgah Stage Race, Transylvania Epic, those are um, uh, maybe not as well-known races, but just as good as far as uh, course quality and the experience is super, super fun. I've also had the chance to race on the international level at a lot okay. of these big stage races, which is super cool. I'm the only American rider to win a stage of Transalp. Okay. Um, and third in the overall so only rider to go top three in overall so pretty proud of that um cape epic you know it's been really really cool to uh race the cape epic from five different occasions and during most of my career um you know racing for Topi gargano was in a support role so the support role is kind of like a road um you know kind of like the road right so uh dave Dave Weems, uh, he was a big rider with your team, you know, a number of years ago, wasn't he? Absolutely. So Dave Weems was, um, yeah, winning his last Norman Nationals when I was racing uh, junior and, okay. and just trying to, you know, get out of my own way. <laughs> so, yeah, Dave, <laughs> Dave is also part of that generation. And now we're friends. Um, mm-hmm. He still races for Topi Gurgaon. Okay. So, uh, kind of my, um, I don't know if you call it, uh, you know, uh, fellow Canyon riders. Um, right. And he's also a dad. His son's racing now. And it's super cool. So, you know, those two are racing in the same races. You know, he and his uh, son raced nationals um, this year. And I think they were in the same class. I don't know. Uh, but anyway, it's it's pretty cool. It's full circle. It's neat seeing a lot of my friends' kids getting into riding now. And yeah, yeah, it's it's um yeah, it's been a really wild ride. It's been uh, really a dream come true to live the life 
and lifestyle of a professional mountain bike racer. Um, I've also had a really unique opportunity to give back and, and do things like um, the visit I did last weekend. I, I went to uh, do this event in North Carolina for Canyon um, okay. for this uh, guided tour. So there was a tour, tour company that uh, Canyon was working with to provide bikes, demo bikes, um, called mm-hmm. Chasing Epic. And Chasing Epic has like these, you know, guided trips all along around the country. And um, for a few of them, we've got Canyon Bikes as an option. So I brought down some of the demo fleet, got some people on bikes, rode with them. It was a hoot, you know, a lot of fun hanging out. Um, but I also visited a youth home. So it's a, a, a home for um, uh, displaced youth in North Carolina um, okay. called the Black Mountain Home. And so they take care of kids that are either, um, you know, have parents with extreme substance abuse problems or, um, orphan, you know, they're orphaned, um, and things like that. And they have a mountain bike program. I mean, how cool is that? Um, no, I, I, I think that's awesome. And, um, one thing, so last year I started as a NICA coach. Oh, cool. Local, yeah. For local high that's school awesome. here. And, you know, the whole thing about NICA is not make kids faster, not shred with kids. It's get more kids on bikes. I mean, that's the whole mission and trying to, I mean, honestly, mountain bikes can be really expensive. How can we reach out to other communities that maybe aren't as privileged and, and help them to get get out there and enjoy uh, some of these trails? That is 100% what it's about. You know, racing is was a, a catalyst for you know, a lot of the change personally for me in my life that took place in growing up and in, uh, getting out of, um, you know, uh, a neighborhood that was riddled with drugs and, and, you know, um, crime and things like that and to find my own path in life. And I think if it can do it for me, it can do great things for other people. And, and so anytime you can share the sport, I mean, I think that's such a cool thing to do. Um, so this, uh, Children's Home has a mountain bike program and they've had it for a few years. They've got trails on their campus, um, kind of in the foster home and they, uh, lead mountain bike rides and and get kids on bikes. And man, I thought it was the coolest thing. So you've been riding Canyon bikes for a long time, even before Canyon USA became a, a presence in, in America. If I, if I'm correct in that, how long have you been, uh, an ambassador. And so you're transitioning from being a full-time pro to being more of an ambassador from what I was reading on single tracks a couple of days ago. Yep. Yeah, that is correct. Ken, I basically, um, have been racing with, uh, Topeka Ergon for several years and then, um, Canyon finally decided to pull, uh, yeah, to, to, uh, push into the U S market. And I'd done a little bit of consulting um, for some of their early events prior to them really having a good events team in place. Um, Helped them out, you know, and uh, went to Ride Sun Valley, which was the first event that they had for a demo event. Um, And yeah, we had a great time with it. And uh, I had one more year on my contract with Topi Gargan. uh, and then basically Topi Gurgon got swept up by Canyon and became Canyon okay. Topi. So it was even closer to the Canyon side of things. And our, you know, paychecks, so to speak, came from Koblenz and Canyon managed the team. 
Um, and at the end of uh, not oh, not uh, 2019, 2018, end of 2018, the team was folding. Um, they were putting, I guess, more chips into the road team uh, and into the uh, World Cup focus. And yeah, basically, it was a good opportunity for me to um, pursue this role as an athlete ambassador for Canyon. An athlete Very ambassador cool. is kind of like a multi, uh, multi-faceted job description in which I help manage and execute demo events um, and public-facing events on the East Coast. Um, but then I also have my athlete hat that I put on, and you know, I might be taking media out at Sea Otter Classic, or I might race BC Bike Race, or I might be out there, you know, racing Dirty Kansas. But um, it's usually after about 10 hours of working the Canyon booth and getting <laughs> up for the newsletter and, uh, you know, chatting with people. And it's actually really been cool um, in a lot of ways because I've never had this much interaction with my fans. Okay. In the last four years, I've had more interaction with my actual fans of my career this year than I have in the last four years. Pretty well, cool. When I was, it is very cool. And when I was watching that Hillbilly, Roubaix video, um, which you won, and and that was awesome. Um, it's like he, he you end up coming over to this huge van with Canyon bikes, and you're hanging out with people and kind of working too. And I was like, wow, man, that's a hell of a day. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it can be pretty. <laughs> Good thing I'm an endurance racer. I'll tell you what, Ken, because uh, basically I think this is, you know, some some of these days would kill a lot of people. <laughs> I'm like, sure. I'm sure. Like so uh, we, how. We, we definitely hustle. Um, and some races, you know, it works. It, it, you know, I can make it, you know, make it happen. And then sometimes I'm just too exhausted and just have to deal with the reality that um, I'm not invincible. <laughs> right. <laughs> like SPT right. gravel, I was so exhausted. Like I was just whooped. And I was like, well, I'm going to try to be in the mix and, and maybe I'll start to feel a little more fresh after about four hours and it didn't happen. <laughs> yeah. I don't think I've ever felt fresh after four hours. Um, so what is, what does training look like for you now? Yeah. Now training. That, well, what did it look like then when you were really, really hammering it out? Like how many hours a week and what, you know, how, how'd you structure it? I, I could pull it up on training peaks right now. You know, it's really okay. interesting because with the analytics that we have, and I was one of the early pioneers for, mountain bike training with a power meter um, okay. along with hunter allen so hunter um was my coach uh for hmm. a large period of uh i guess the latter half of my cross-country career and the early half of my um sort of endurance focused uh part of my career and uh yeah we developed some proprietary workouts um i do my own thing now and have bishop training um but okay. yeah we collaborate and uh yeah it's been a really wild ride and, and just sort of learning a bit about that side of it. Um, but back to the training, my training was a lot like a road stage racer, um, okay. especially like with Topeak Ergon and with Canyon Topeak, because my job was basically um, to either support the team or take a leading role um, in trying to win races in North America, for example. Uh, and then when you look at um, Transalp, I was on the lead team for Transalp. Um, and yeah, we were a uh, bronze medal there at the toughest stage race in Europe. So pretty cool. Um, cool. and yeah, the, the hours were big, you know, definitely really 
uh, a lot of aggressive training and uh, I think I'm quite well known for my hard training and, and my style of training. And it's definitely, um, yeah, some pretty heavy stuff. So I would be running a you know, CTL of like 110 to 120 quite commonly um, throughout the season. And that's kind of on par with um, some of the road stage racers. Uh, granted, if they're if you're doing a grand tour, your CTL will get even higher than that. Um, mm-hmm. 150, 160, you know, what Ben's will commonly be at for um, the tour. Um, sure. And for, and for, um, for our audience here, if you could elaborate on CTL a little bit, like what is exactly does that stand for and how do you, how do you gauge it? Oh, yeah. So CTL is basically um, it's a rolling average of your um, training load, basically. And if you look at, you know, whether it's training peaks or whether you look at um, Strava, both of them have sort of a um, – a, tool for modeling your training and looking at your um, total stress load or total training load. Mm. Give you an idea, basically, in order to get um, to a, in order to get to a, a, a CTL, when you're looking at a CTL that's closing in on 130, I mean, it's basically like riding blocks of tempo, like 30 minute blocks of sub threshold, uh, five times a week, like five days a week of really, really hard work. Um, right. Yeah. On a four hour ride. So it's, you know, like, a, a sort of a barometer of the total training load that might be like a 22 hour week, for example, doing good hard work. That is a lot of work. And I think, you know, what we're seeing with, uh, our Zwift team, dads and side riding trainers, is a lot of us are right at that, you know, six to eight hour a week mark and just trying to make the most of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I know most of us do prefer to ride outside, but it's just not the reality that we can. You know, my wife, she's a personal trainer. She gets up and leaves the house really early. And so it's if I want to ride, it's got to be inside. And it was like a fate worse than, worse than death getting on a traditional trainer. And then once, <laughs> yep. and then Zwift came along. I was like, whoa, this went from sucking to actually being fun. Yep. And uh, the, the, the problem is the FOMO, the fear of missing out. And, you know, like you want to race every day and you can't, mm-hmm. and, you know, mm-hmm. if you want to keep progressing and do well during the mountain bike season, like you have to do some dedicated training workouts. Uh, and so like, that's how, this whole thing came about is just a group of guys mm-hmm. that were seeing each other's names over and over again on those whip oh, races cool. in the morning. Yeah. Yeah. And then we just blew up and became this huge team. That's awesome. Well, I can't wait to get yeah. on there with you guys. That'll be super yeah, fun. That, it'll be super fun. Like when do you usually ride? Oh, Ken, you know, it's pretty varied at this point. So right now my work schedule is actually really lightened up. Um, don't tell this to my, uh, you know, people at Canyon because they have me like go to a shopping center and, and sign stuff in like Des Moines, Iowa. Um, so in any way, uh, yeah, my schedule has been crazy this year. It's been nuts. Um, you know, you, you get the kids off to school, you pack the sprinter, you drive to Bentonville, Arkansas, you know, you, you do a demo, you um, are exhausted, you're packing up all these 
dirty bikes, washing bikes, lifting stuff. You know, you get back, you change, you run for a half an hour and that's your workout for the day. Um, wow. So you kind of have like these um, fits and starts of, of the of the schedule. So sometimes, yeah, I mean, I'm mostly a poor weather Zwift rider. I'll admit that I don't have a regular schedule. Um, although, mm-hmm. you know, in the case of getting on with you guys, one of these mornings um, here in November, we definitely do it. It'll be super fun. And uh, yeah. yeah, sometimes my daughter likes to ride on, jump on Zwift or co-ride with me, as I call it. Um, and yeah, it's super fun. It's it's really motivating and it's neat to see people from around the world, different time zones. People I've met at races, like I, I met this guy at, uh, was it Andalusia bike race or Transalp? Anyway, yeah. So I mean, a, a competitor, he's like, hey, Bishop, what's up? And it's just such a neat, um, you know, way to connect with people as well as motivate. And to, to answer your question, back to your question about how is my training different? Well, it's time crunched. Uh, you know, definitely have times when I don't, you know, always feel that great. But that's always been the case, you know, to some degree or another. As I get older, though, I have more, I have more, um, you know, variables. Like my knee, right knee today, I, was, I just came back from the gym. I ran back here, you know, to get this podcast going. And, uh, you know, it was abbreviated workout. Um, because my right knee was basically just bothering me and, uh, yeah, kind of weird. Don't know if it's from the dropper post, um, of a really long dropper post on the neuron. And I did a mountain bike ride yesterday and maybe I came off a rock funny while the seat was really low mm-hmm. and yeah, it's kind of just a little bit of a tweak, but, um, you know, I do what I can when I can. Um, and I think that's the, the takeaway I think to the dads out there, um, is, you can't over um, overthink it, you know, do what you can when you yeah. can. Um, and sometimes okay. you're going to have 33 minutes, you know, a gap comes in your schedule and you're like, wow, I probably can't get my bike ready and do a proper ride. Um, but maybe I can just put my cycling shoes on and rip out the door you know, go sprint up a few hills and rip a couple downhills and I will feel awesome the rest of the day. And I tell you what, so it's, it's yeah. so true. It is true. And some of that is just like, I, I have to do it for my, my sanity. Yes. It, it, that <laughs> is, you know, I'm, I'm kind of in that crossroads between, you know, making a living racing bikes where, um, you know, it's amazing the stuff you'll make yourself do if that's how you pay your mortgage and feed your kids. Mm-hmm. Like the level of training, the, the psychotic training that I would do is when I look back on it now, some of these rides in like the rain, like for five hours and like snow rides with like, you know, three by 20 or four by 20 threshold intervals, like with the wind coming, you know, howling, like yeah, I mean, some of the stuff I would do is just kind of ridiculous. Um, and now I'm kind of a little bit more, I'm a little more practical <laughs> about it, honestly. And you know what? You can get a damn good workout on Zwift in 50 minutes. Yes. Yes, you can. Uh, I, I, I've been buckled over the bike at the end of, you know, some 50-minute long workouts or races. It's just 
unbelievable how time efficient it is. And so that loops me around to how I found out that you were on Zwift. I'm sitting here watching this crazy workout of you doing, you know, four by four, it, you know, 400 watts on a pair of rollers on one of your videos. <laughs> yeah. Uh, dude, this guy's, this guy's crazy. And, uh, and then, uh, you were saying to me before we, before we started recording that you were on the first ever Zwift race. How mm -hmm. did that come about? Uh, you know, it's funny. Um, I think much like most of my odd like uh, projects or, or things I do, it starts out as a Facebook message that I kind of think is a joke. You know, someone's like, hey, you should come to Bentonville and do this bike race. And I'm like, okay, what kind of spam is this? You know, I get, I get a lot of invites to go and do stuff. Um, and mm -hmm. I, I love to entertain the real invites, you know, if it's, if it's uh, a legit um, appearance or something like that. Anyway, so I got this invite to go and do this race, um, uh, Zwift race in Roanoke. And I'm like, okay. mm, yeah, I don't know. And they're like, well, we're going to have it at a brewery. It's going to be like super fun. Um, and, you know, there's going to be like a studio audience and they're going to record it. And I was like, okay, all right. All right. Well, I mean, whatever. It's kind of a game and it'll be fun. And, it's the, also the first one, you know, a, a live esports event like that. I was like, sure, I'll check it out. So I went down to this thing. Scotty Weiss was there. Um, you guys probably know uh, the madman on Zwift. It's, it's kind of like half of what he's known for at this point. Um, but he's former Masters world champion. Um, mm. You know, funny because I don't ride with a guy at all. He lives like 90 minutes from here. But, you know, he's Masters like world champion. I've seen him at road races here and there. Um, but yeah, super fast, dude. We had a hill climb national champion, Ben Wright, who I invited, uh, to come out. Um, a handful of other top, um, regional riders, uh, came out. I think John DeLong was there and, uh, you know, a handful of other local fast guys. And, um, yeah, I definitely got my ass kicked. Um, <laughs> but yeah, part of that was, you know, the, um, in the early phases of doing anything, there's a lot to learn. And, there's, you know, I think we're not consistent across the board. And I, I kind of talked to um, the guys at Zwift about this a little bit as well as the cyclogent guys. So this was a cyclogent race, um, which is sort of like mm -hmm. a parallel league to Zwift now that Zwift has is, is gotten into it. And I think the fidelity of the data for high-level esports racing is going to be critical. And you almost need like a third-party verification. because. Um, Zwift and the other areas or other um, leagues, they want they want everybody to believe, you know. But if right. you don't believe in the data or have any mistrust in in the data or how the races lay out, then it sort of you know deteriorates the whole thing. And of course, everybody's seen the guy who puts in that he weighs seventy pounds on Zwift um, and flies right. by you. Um, so in any case, you know, for those prize money races. I think they should have a third-party validation. But anyway, so this one was a, a rough but interesting first start. And I knew it was a learning opportunity more than anything. And it was a really cool chance to just kind of explore that. Um, and it was fun. It was it was really cool um, chasing people down, making alliances on the road, just like riding outdoors. Um, I didn't know about a lot of the um, sort of strange, um, I guess, physics that they programmed into mm -hmm. it. 
in order for it to be easier for the average person or, or, you know, beginner to operate. For instance, the sticky draft. I didn't know about that. I didn't know about the, uh, the fact that if you, because there are no brakes on Zwift. So if you code, right. you're lightly braking. And okay. so I ran okay. to catch up to somebody knowing that in the real world, I can coast on their wheel and recover for a few seconds. Instead, I would sprint up to their wheel, you know, coast, which was basically like grabbing the brakes. It's like grabbing right. a fistful of brake. And then there's a big gap again. And then you have to sprint again. And of course, after the third time of sprinting, you're completely toast. Um, so yeah, learning how to ride Zwift in and of itself is also um, sort of uh, a game. It's just like a video game. You have to have sort of game skills in order to, to figure it out. Um, but it was really interesting, and I could see the potential um, right away for esports to, um, you know, grow. And and I think we'll see more of it. Personally, I think you know, it's not riding outdoors, so why not gamify it even more? Because let me tell you what. That's my thing. If that's my film, we need banana peels. We need missiles, dude. Rocket. We need, we need yes. missiles. There would be nothing more fun than, than shooting missiles at Ben King while I'm riding with him. You know, directing it. <laughs> yeah, so he he lives pretty close to you. You guys are all up near Harrisonburg, Charlottesville. Yep. Yeah, Virginia. yeah. He's about uh, sixty miles from here, so we meet up in the middle to do rides every once in a while. You know, probably once a month in the winter. Joe Dombrowski also um, lives here, yeah, and uh, yeah, we got got a lot of really talented riders like uh, Brian Lewis, who probably should have okay. won a hill hilly billy. Um, yeah, lives nearby. Um, absolute ripper. So we've got a lot of talented riders in the area and, and, um, yeah, Ben every once in a while, like if there's an ice storm or something, you know, he'll text me, Hey, you want to get on Zwift? And I'm like, sure. And so we just use the phone. So this is kind of funny. We just, uh, did a phone call and put in the, um, earbuds. So instead of, um, yeah, making it overly complicated. Yeah. It's, it's definitely helped, you know, um, be a motivator especially when the weather gets foul or or the days get short we use um discord mm-hmm. so we'll get the whole like we'll have a cat a through d all right for all of our races well you got you guys can have to you guys have to to uh tutor me here <laughs> i'll hook you up man. Right. i'll hook you up i'll get, a, I'll, get you on one of our morning races i'll get on the discord yeah, and, and it's funny because you mentioned the rollers and, and um, yeah, being the, the mountain biker that I am, I love the balance component. And with the inside ride rollers, you can stand out of the saddle at six or 700 watts, no problem. So it's, it's partly just because the balance component is more realistic. I don't feel like I'm chained down to some contraption. Um, I can ride Zwift on the the wahoo i've got one but i really much rather ride the rollers even if it's slightly disadvantageous i can yeah i can understand that especially for i mean it's it's part of your craft it's part of training for work yeah yeah i get the additional need for that well jb this has been a really fun conversation and um i hope that we do get to ride together on zwift sometime uh canyon they've got their own pro team now so shout out to them to your uh uh to your sponsor or yeah you know, the company that you're working work with now 
And also tell us a little bit about you. How can we find you? Uh, you're a professional coach as well. If we wanted to, you know, yeah, so, uh, get a training program. Yeah, for sure. So I have training plans on training peaks. So if you look under author okay. Jeremiah Bishop, um, then you'll see a lot of the training plans I've done for mount, mostly mountain bike racing and stage racing, 100 mile races. Um, so very directly in my wheelhouse. I do work with professional um, and amateur road athletes and cyclocross athletes. Um, and for more information about me and my coaching um, and our, our guys, so to speak, I work with a couple other uh, great coaches. Uh, go to jeremiahbishop.com. You can also find me on Instagram. Um, my Instagram handle is, I'll tell you that in a second. Um, and then you also see a Facebook fan page on, um, yeah, yeah, just look up my name. So there's an official Facebook fan page. I also have a personal page, but I try to direct people to the Facebook fan page for, you know, the more um, race oriented stuff. And uh, sure. yeah, yeah, so you'll find me there. And uh, yeah, I, I do uh, a little bit of everything when it comes to uh, sharing Stoke for the sport. I also host the Alpine Loop Grand Fondo. Um, my wife runs the event, so she's completely in charge. So if you see uh, a picture posted on there, it's definitely not me. Um, entirely her thing, and uh, you know. But we have a great time, and it's at a, an event I started um, as a um, charity fundraiser and an awareness piece for prostate cancer awareness project. So if you're a male over 40, make sure to get your PSA checked once a year with your physical. Track it. You know, it can definitely give you a big um, flag if you have, uh, you know, an anomaly there. And um, taking your health care seriously is a, a something that we all need to do, especially as dads, because um, you want to be around a little bit later, you know, when all this good stuff happens. Um, yeah, so Alpine Loop Grand Fondo, check the uh, the Instagram page, Facebook page, and that is um, the event is alpineloopgrandfondo.com. Pretty simple. Very cool. Uh, JB, thanks again for joining you us bet, today. And um, yeah, and uh, I hope to talk hey, to you well, again I soon. I hope to see you guys on Zwift. That, that hopefully will be next. It, it'll, it'll, I'll make it happen. Awesome. I'll shoot you an email. Sounds good. Thanks again. Mm -hmm.